together very well. The Bible tells us to follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. <clears throat> holiness is essential to your salvation. If you're going to be saved, you must have holiness in your life. Hebrews 12 and 14 is just as strong and it is just as true and as relevant to salvation as John chapter 3 and verse number 3. How many of you guys know what John 3 and 3 says? I guess you can look at the screen. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I saw a video of a man preaching, and he preached from this very passage there in Asbury. And uh, he, he told them, look, you've got to be, not only do you have to repent, but you've got to be baptized after you repent. And you've got to allow the infilling, the resurrecting power of the Holy Ghost to come on the inside and, and give you spiritual life anew. Amen. And, and so we have 12 and 14, Hebrews 12 and 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. It's very clear, I'm not going to see Jesus if I don't have holiness and if I'm not treating people right. And John 3 says, I've got to be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. In fact, verse 5 tells us you've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Neither of these verses gives us the totality or the complete picture of the requirements for our salvation. But each of these scriptures, as in the rest of the Bible, we have the guidebook to salvation. And I'll say this again, but that is, I don't believe that we reach full salvation here on earth. There's no way that we can say, today, Veronica, I am saved. I'm not saved. Because tomorrow I could wake up and I can be messed up. And I could fall into sin just as easy as anybody else. The day that I am completely safe is when I walk across those pearly gates onto those streets of gold. And I know that he has already told me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's when I'm saved. Now, I am continuing this process of salvation. I can know that I can be saved can I can I can I say it that way I can I can have an assurance that I can make it to heaven but I don't believe that any one of us can say that I am saved right now because temptation can come tomorrow you winning this battle Paul says I have fought a good fight I have what kept the faith he kept the faith. The goal is, are you able, not can you believe initially, but can you keep that faith from the time it was birthed until the time you see Jesus face to face? 
That's the question. You know how that we can do that? It's by allowing his spirit to make us holy. It's allowing his spirit to work on the inside and allowing him to form us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Something that, you know, one, one thing, I, I, when I think of this verse, I think of two, two scenarios, okay, if you'll bear with me for a second. But you think of, when I think of confirmation, so conforming to something, I think of this water bottle. The water on the inside is conformed to this body bottle. You with me? But being filled with the Holy Ghost is much, it, it's much more different than the con conforming to the bottle that you are put into. Transformation is different than conforming. All right? The reason transformation is different is because transformation, actually in the original, hopefully I get it right this time. Last time I said it, it was photosynthesis. <clears throat> if you were here, you remember me saying it that way. But no, metamorphosis. You guys know what metamorphosis is? Now, you got to understand the beauty between the two, Paul, I believe, was genius in how he, he, he put this in, 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 in that scripture. It's Romans chapter 12, if, if you're wondering what scripture I'm talking about, the first three verses there. Romans chapter 12, he said, hey, be not conformed to the world. So what that means, Brother Tuffy, is this is the world. The bottle is the world. I am becoming conformed the world when I adhere to the worldly practices that are there. Does that make sense to me? I'm pouring myself into the form of the world. So when people look at me, they're going to see the world. But what the beauty is, metamorphosis, yes, that that worm or that caterpillar crawled and, and he formed a cocoon around himself, he did have to go into something similar to what confirmation would do, right? But what's beautiful about the transformation was the caterpillar didn't become what he would become. A beautiful butterfly that's that's free and that can fl fly through the air by staying in the cocoon. The world wants you to stay conformed, meaning you have limits. You can't go past these limits. That's what the world does to you. But when you when you get into the presence of God. Yes, you had to get into a cocoon because God began to do some things on the inside of you. There were some changes happening in your life that, ha couldn't, that couldn't be done 
in an outer atmosphere, so God puts you in a cocoon of his love. Can I say it that way? And he begins to work on you, and he begins to give you um, help, and he gives you, gives you desires that, that are different than what they used to be. And then the next thing you know, you start fighting your way against that cocoon. You begin to push your way out of those walls that have held you in. And the next thing you know, God just opens his hand and he says, here you go. There's no limits on you now, my child. Does that make sense today? You can't tell me living in the world that you're, that you're free to do whatever you want to. There's a lot of things that we could talk about there. You tell me, when, when, a, when, a, when a star or when a, when a uh, uh, sports hero starts wearing certain types of clothing, what happens in the world? Everybody else does it too. They fall in line. That's right. What have they done? That's right. What did they do? To that mold, didn't they? But to him, to his image, to the image of, let me ask you something. Is Mahomes going to live forever? Physically, can he, did he die for me? No. Can he die for me and save my soul for eternity? No. So if I try to be like Mahomes, y'all brought it up, so we roll, we'll roll with it. If I try to become like Mahomes, there's only so far I can go. The only good thing I know about Mahomes, he can throw a football well. I know he says a lot about his Christianity, but let me tell you something. At that parade, he sure wasn't acting like a Christian. In fact, in fact, even the media began talking about how ashamed they were of how the Chiefs players were acting. I read three articles, three different articles. They were pretty messed up. So that tells me, Veronica, that the world can become ashamed of even what they consider a hero. Does that mean I want to be conformed to something that can be marked as a shame? No. But I want something that's going to give me the ability to grow and to fly freely so that I can affect as many people as I possibly can. If I'm stuck in this image, I can only go as far as this image is going to let me go. But when God opens the, his, his hands and he said, all right, my child, you're, you're ready to fly. Why don't you go on and you begin to spread your wings in this world so that you can affect those around you. When God begins to give you that strength, not only does God let you go, but God is there for you every step of the way or every um, wing flap of the way, whatever you want to say. But you, I want you to understand, being transformed is so much more freeing than being conformed to something. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I don't want to be conformed to the image that this world puts out there. 
I don't, I don't want to be conformed even to just an Asbury revival. Let me tell you something. I believe that this hunger that is out there is not just limited to that one location, but this is going everywhere across the world. It's happening. We hear, we hear accounts from, from, uh, from, from missionaries overseas, and, and you hear Brother, Brother Stewart was talking about he, that, that. In fact, I said it wrong last week. I said that was Bulawayo. That's not Bulawayo. Bulawayo is in Zimbabwe. That was Palapie. And in Palapie, we, we were there. And in fact, Brother uh, Bishop Riggan was telling us Sunday night that Brother uh, Stewart, Missionary Stewart, was actually going there this week to minister to them. And from the time of that conference, that was the first one we'd ever had in that, con- in, in that country, in that, re- in that city. And Bishop was saying that from that time, I think we, we ended up um, baptizing 50 or 60 different people that day. <clears throat> and, and from that moment, there's still an, an unhinged revival happening in that country because of the hunger that was there that day. And they are all saying, hey, we want more of this. And they're inviting more of their preacher friends. And they're, and they're bringing them in and saying, hey, let, let me show you what God showed us in the word of God. And, he, and they're sharing it with one another. And, and they're getting a revelation. And they are taking those that God gives revelation. And they are baptizing these other pastors in the name of Jesus Christ. And these other pastors are going back home to their assemblies. Some of these pastors teach or are or, or over four to five different churches. And they travel to four or five different churches every Sunday so that they can reach those people. you got to understand, transportation, as I, I, sh- I showed you the other day, it's, it's, not, it's not what it is here today. We don't just hop in the car and just drive down the road. Many of them don't have a car. So they have to use the bus system. And the bus can only get them on the main, the main uh, roadways and and, and when they get to a bus stop, they have to determine, all right, how much further do we have to walk to get to my destination? And many of, much of the areas in, in, in Africa, especially in, in Botswana and in Zimbabwe, are footpaths that you follow. And uh, it's, it literally feels like you've stepped back into, I don't know, early 50s, maybe early 60s era of time. I know we had cars in America back then, but... But you you got to understand, these folks don't have that luxury. And so these pastors have these assemblies of 20 to 30 different people that they meet under these lean-tos that they, that you saw the picture of it, that, that I ended up preaching in there. And these ministers will go from, from uh, covering to covering to, to minister to their different churches. And they have been going. In fact, uh, I think it was about six months ago, I got a text from my father-in-law, and he he, he was sending us to a, uh, a link to Google Photos. And uh, what had happened is Brother Stewart had received a message from one of the ministers in Botswana. And he sent Brother Stewart a picture. And I, I should have thought about this. I, I need to show you guys. This is happening. It's real. They had saints lined up. I, don't, I, I didn't even k- try to count all of them. The picture could not contain all of the people that were standing there 
ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. Because these men that were there, they weren't ashamed to go back and say, hey, I've been teaching you guys the wrong thing for all of these years. And some of them uh, had, not, not braggingly, but somehow somebody had taken a video of, of some of these preachers. And, and it's amazing, guys. You've got to realize true repentance requires change. To see these men of God on their knees before their congregations, not just repenting before God, but repenting to the people because they felt like they had wronged the people. And it, it amazes me how that sometimes the people rejected it. But most of the time that I have seen, they accepted that repentance. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And they were baptized in Jesus' name. I, I saw a picture one time where they were baptizing uh, several people. There was the, the pictures that I showed, that it was said around 150, 180 people were baptized in that one Sunday. That's amazing stuff. That means people are really hungry. People are really digging in and saying, hey, I, I, I don't care what other folks think about me. I am going to adhere to what the scripture tells me. And so they, they gave in to that draw that God began to draw them with. And the next thing you know, these men, these preachers, look, it's, it's a tiresome thing baptizing that many people at a time. I know me and Brother... Tim's, he and I, and one other man, we ended up baptizing that 50 or 60 folks that day. And I'll tell you what, after teaching all day and then going out there and baptizing them, then we had to drive three and a half hours to get to our next location that we, we had to start teaching on Sunday. It was, uh, it was quite, quite a long day, and some of those people aren't very uh, small people. And uh, I would say 75% of those people are scared of the water. But yet, despite their fear of water, they said, all right, we know we've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so they came, and we baptized them. I'll never forget, there was a time, one of the, one of the ladies that came to be baptized, she came in. And as soon as her feet hit the water, she started shaking. Her knees went weak. And the other two guys already had somebody in their hands, and they were baptizing, so there's nobody coming in to help me. And uh, she comes to me. I got her baptized, and she went limp. And she didn't pass out, but she just went limp because she didn't know what to do. She was not, she was not super small. And I remember I, that day I had to get baptized myself. I had to dive underneath the water, and I had to come up under her back and stand her up. And by the time I went under the water, people began to realize what was going on, and they jumped in and helped me pull her out. Um, but when she got out, the beautiful thing was she was talking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the, the utterance. And... Uh, 
maybe that's what made her go limp. I don't know. I know some people, when the Holy Ghost hits them, they, they, they go limp and they just they fall out talking in tongues. Maybe that's what was happening. All I knew was I got somebody here that needs to stay above the water. <laughs> and so instantly I went into, hey, uh, let's, let's get this fixed. But let me tell you something. One of those ladies there, and I'm supposed to be teaching on this other thing, but I, I'm, I, I want you guys to know this is real. This is real stuff that happens all around this world, and it can happen right here, right now. One of the ladies that was there, she came in. And before she came in, somebody came and whispered to me that she she was a witch doctor of her tribe. If you don't know anything about witch doctors, you understand. One thing you need to understand is there's a lot of witchcraft involved with witch doctors. They said that she had come into the church. She was the wife of one of the pastors there. And... I looked at her, and I tell you, what I confronted in the water was not holy. But I looked at her, and she said, I've got to be changed. Evidently, she had repented. The assumption was that everybody that was coming into the water had, had repentance. Let me tell you something. I will not baptize somebody that has not repented of their sins. Why? Let me ask you this. Would you baptize somebody that's not dead? Would you bury somebody that's not dead? I sure hope not. Repentance is the death of our spiritual man. Baptism is the spiritual burial of that spiritual man. And if that spiritual, that old, filthy spiritual man is not dead through repentance, then we're simply burying somebody that's alive. And so we've got to understand repentance is a big, big, big element. First, you've got to believe, hey, God can change me. God loves me enough. He's going to change me forever. But number two, you've got to say, all right, now I've got to do something about that. What do I do about that? I find a place to pray, and I begin to pour my life out before God. Here I am on repentance. This is all part of being coming holy, folks. I've got to, I've got to find that place of repentance. I did. And she was delivered. I watched her as I came as she came out of the water. I watched her. I watched her become delivered. I felt that spirit that had her bound leave her. And she began to talk in other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. And she was she was small enough that I was able to hold her. <laughs> but she was she she was worshiping God in the water. And I was able to carry her out of the water and hand her to another guy. And he carried her away and, and and I don't know how much longer she spent in, in the Holy Ghost, but it's a beautiful thing to see God do those things. God is, God is able. Not just to do that in Africa, guys. Right here. Right here. I was in, I was in Emporia a few, few months ago. We're standing there. We're worshiping the Lord. And I'm, I had a message to preach, and I went... And I, as I walked on the platform, I'm walking around. I said, God, something's not right. Something's amiss. And I looked down in the crowd, and there's a young lady. And I, and I felt like God showed me that she was dealing with some, some bondage and some, some possession of a spirit that wasn't godly. 
she had been in and out of church quite a few times, is what I found out, and she was playing with a lot of different situations. Let me tell you something. Music, music can affect your soul. Music can affect your soul. And if you're not careful about what music you're listening to, you can end up desiring things that you never dreamed you would desire if you're listening to the wrong kind of music. Even if it's just playing in the background, folks. Music was made for a simple reason. Do you know what Lucifer was when he was in heaven? He was the choir director. He was in charge of the music there in heaven. Satan knows the power of music. Why do you think <laughs> one of the things he understands, and I don't have time to teach about music this morning, but that is he understands rhythm and timing. You guys ever heard one of those, well not, not so many, not, not all the time is it a young man, but most of the time it's a younger man that puts a loud speaker in his car. And you hear, I was one of those guys, all right? I, I enjoyed having loud music. And uh, let's just say thumping speakers didn't work very well with my kind of Christian music. Uh, I'm... But you, I would go to work, and I worked with, uh, I was doing construction most of my life. and My friends there, guys that worked with me, they would show up, and you could hear them coming a mile, a mile or two away. What was it that I was hearing? It was the timing. It was the rhythm of that music they were listening to. Couldn't hear the words, but I could hear the thumping. say it anyway. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys have ever seen a movie, listened to, or watched a documentary of the Aztecs? When they began to worship, what did you hear the most? When they began to go to war, what did you hear the most? Their chanting and the pounding of the drum. Consistent rhythm. It drove them into war. Their worship took them from just worshiping their gods, because they didn't serve just one god, and it drove them into a frenzy that ended up driving them into war and to battle. It did. You're exactly right. So you can't convince me that there isn't a tie between the thumping of the drum, and that's all you want to hear, and the cry of those Indians and those devil worshipers. I have a friend, distant friend, I say, we're not super close. I, 
He knows who I am when I'm, when I'm meeting him. He's, they got a great work happening in Brazil. Do you know what Brazil is known for? Their crime, their crime, their murder rate is the highest in the entire world. Do you know what is the driving force of the people of Brazil? It's the worship. What's that? Satan worship. Elder Lambeth told us, he said, look, I, I think I've told you about this a little bit, maybe. I don't know. If I have, just bear with me. Um, but I want you to understand, maybe it was you, I don't know. But it was, it was amazing to me to listen to the elder preach and teach. And he's teaching ministers only at that conference. And I like to go to those because I get to hear from men of been there and who have done that and and who who have wisdom not just from experience but from their deep relationship with God and I long to be like them uh, I, I long to surpass them to be honest with you because I believe that's the will of God that we take what they have given us and continue to build upon that foundation and become a greater people for the kingdom of God that's that's what I believe that's I believe the scripture teaches us that principle many, many times. But Elder Lambeth was beginning to tell us, he said, brethren, he said, I want, you to t I want you to understand I'm becoming concerned. He said, because when I am home, I go to bed. He said, and there are temples, devil worshiping temples all around me. And he said, all night long, it starts at dark. They begin to pound the drums. And he said, I hear it. I go to bed, sleep at night, hearing the pounding of these drums. And he said this. He said, ministers, he said, when I come to your churches, I hear the same sound. He said, you've got to be careful what you let into the church. And just as careful as we ought to be allowing certain types of music to come into the church we ought to be careful that we allow certain don't allow certain types of music into our homes can i get an amen it's imperative i don't want to sound like the devil worshiper i don't want people to even put me in the same bucket that is something i don't want to conform to I want to be transformed. But the only way I can be transformed, the scripture tells me, is we need to be transformed by the renewing of something. Do you know what that something is? My mind. What do you dwell on? What do you think about? What is it that is, is, is consistently um, on your mind? Is it, is it worry about where the world's going? Let me tell you something. There could be plenty of worry there. But let me tell you something. My God is bigger than any politician, than any world leader. I don't care who they are. God will take care of those who have faith in him. He's proven it. Time and time again. If you don't believe what I'm talking about, go back and read the exodus and what God did for the Jews versus what God did for the, the Egyptians. The same time that there was darkness everywhere for the Egyptian. 
it was daylight for the Jews. When the locust came, it devoured all the things in Egypt, but it didn't touch one centimeter of growth for the Jewish people in Goshen. You can't convince this preacher that God can't keep his hand on his people and still judge the people, judge those that are doing wrong at the same time. He can. And even in the midst of turmoil and even in the midst of situations that we don't understand and even in the midst of things that are happening in this world and every time you turn on uh, the news, every time you listen to what's happening, it becomes even more disastrous. In fact, this morning I read on the way here, I shouldn't have been reading, but I read it on the way here um, that um, the UN had, had voted uh, to, to, to withstand Russia, but that four major nations stood up against the UN and are declaring that they will go and they will fight against the UN and every ally that the UN has if the UN does determine to attack Russia. You know what that means? Another world war is going to Regardless of all of the, the, the logic around this situation, I want you to understand these things should not take us by surprise. These things should be known, especially if you claim to be a Christian. You ought to be studying the Word of God so that you know what the Scripture is teaching and the signs of the time shows that it's high time that we wake up out of sleep, Brother Tuffy, and we get busy. You know what last Sunday was? The power of God that moved through this sanctuary last Sunday? You know what that was? That was God saying, hey, it's time to wake up. You ever gone into your bedroom, and not into your child's bedroom, and that you've been in there five or six times, and, and, and you're saying, hey, come on, it's time to get up. And finally, I, I don't like to yell at my kids in the morning because I don't want them to get up and like, ah. Sometimes you do have to raise your voice a little bit louder so that they hear you in their sleep. But most of the time I'll walk over to him, my, my son and I'm like, hey. And he's on his bed and I'm pushing on him. I'm shaking him a little bit. Hey, it's time to get up, man. I've, I've tried to wake you up. And then, and then when he wakes up, Sister Winnie, he gets mad at me because I didn't wake him up earlier. Yeah, well, one morning, if it gets bad enough, I will, I will send my, my dogs upstairs and let them jump on him, and they'll lick him in the face, but the point is, sometimes I believe God has to come into our room and just put his hand on our shoulder and shake us just a little bit and say, hey, it's time to get up, it's time to wake up. I know you've been comfortable and, and, and you've been peaceful and, and, and all of these things, but now it's time to get up, it's time to go time to get busy about the kingdom of God. It's time. God will help you wake up. 
if you become comfortable, but I want you to understand, look, family, don't be mad at me, but family is the biggest distraction from the kingdom of God than anything in this world. You, my friend, you need to determine in your heart and your mind whether or not God is first or your family is first. If you put God first, he will help you take care of the family. Does anybody else believe that besides Sister Winnie? Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm stirred up, folks. If you can't tell, I'm stirred up. I want to see the glory of God like I've never seen it before. And the only way that we're going to be able to see it like that is to have a great awakening. And that is, we need to repent. We need to spend time seeking the face of God. Repentance. Repentance is, it should not be an action that we apply to our life. It should be a lifestyle that we live. Every day you must have repentance in your life. How else are you going to keep the spiritual man that is carnal down, allowing the Holy Ghost to reign supreme in your life? You've got to allow yourself consistently to lay your will down. My will means nothing, Brother Blue. If God has a different idea, it should be his way or no way. But how many times do we say, but God, I don't want to do it that way. It's not comfortable. Well, he never said it was going to be comfortable. But I can promise you, if you go his way, when it's done, you will win. Just in case you didn't know, go read the back of the book. The back of the book says we win. Did you know that? If you didn't, I encourage you. Why don't you begin to read through the scriptures and, and I can promise you, you will be encouraged by what it tells you. There is promise after promise after promise for those who will put their faith in God, for those who will, will stand beside God and work for his kingdom, if you'll do those things, there are all kinds of benefits. If you don't do those things, there are so many consequences. Not my words. That's in the Bible. You need to study the scripture. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, you need to find it for yourself. I'd be happy to spend hours explaining what I'm talking about. But let me tell you something. It does you better if you get it for yourself. I, I, I want to so badly just unpack every single thing. Man, I was praying this morning and God began to show me some things in the scripture. Amen. I didn't even have the Bible with me. But I was, I was sitting there praying and I had, had some scriptures that I was contemplating last night as I went to bed. And, and I woke up this morning and when I got up this morning I was praying and I'm like, God, help me understand these things. And you know what happened? Shame on me for not writing it down, but I was just enjoying the revelation that was coming on in. I've got to sit down sometime today and begin to break it down, put it on paper, or I, or I will forget. Amen. Because that's, I'm human. But I want you to understand, it's beautiful. God will do the same thing for you. 
Does that mean I was struggling with the scripture? Does that mean I, I, was, I was about to turn my back on God? No. I just want a little bit more clear, uh, clearly, oh, uh, goodness, revealed in my mind. I wanted, I wanted to understand it because I want to know, God, help me to learn more about you. We, we were in a, in a, we're all adults in here this morning, so I want you to consider this with me. We, we, we went through a marriage class a few weeks ago, and a few of the things that, that continue to ring in my mind is one of the best ways for me to have a good, solid marriage, ready for great re- revelatory statements to come from this mouth of mine. Just kidding. If you get this revelation, you won't have a problem in your marriage. That is, number one, you need a relationship with your spouse. Not just a physical relationship with your spouse, but you need to get into unity in your spirit. You need to know one another. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're saying. But I want you to understand, how can you know your spouse if you don't intentionally begin to draw closer to your spouse? And you don't talk to your spouse. And you don't just spend time with your spouse. There are times, if you, you, maybe I'm just a different kind of person, but there are sometimes that maybe we don't need to talk. We, maybe we just need to sit there and, and hold each other for a little while. For me, my mind is going 100 miles an hour all the time. I need to get this done. I got to get that done. I, I, I want to dig into this. And, and I don't, in, in my mind, it's, it's easy for me to say, you know, I'm too busy to sit down and just relax and spend time with my spouse or with my children even. But what, what establishes a, a true heavy bond between you and a spouse or you and a child is a pursued relationship. Well, and just like that relationship that you need to have with those loved ones of yours, it ought to be so much more magnified in your relationship with God. If you establish that relationship first, naturally, the rest of those relationships will fall into place. It's true. I've, I've tried to force things on my own before. I've tried to make things work before. But at the end of the day, it didn't work for me. Wow, how come nobody told me it was 11 o'clock already? Man. I want a relationship with God. I need one with God. And last week, that was God showing up and saying, hey, thanks for seeking after me. Here I am. Here I am. What do you say we we, we dig in a little bit deeper and say, God, we want more of that. We want to spend more time in that kind of presence. Because we know that when people walk into that kind of presence, there's nothing we can do, amen, that, that God can't. 
and he can do it far better. And if that kind of glory begins to settle upon the people of God, let me tell you something. God can do more in five minutes than I can in two or three hours of teaching. I can promise you that. I could spend weeks on teaching, trying to get some things accomplished. But when God steps in and he begins to work in our hearts, that settles it, my friend. It's all done. It's up to you to receive it. It's up to you to open your heart and let God have his way. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. We're going we're gonna to transition into some prayer time because we need... I believe that prayer time to get our hearts ready to receive what God wants to do in our service this morning. I believe God wants to do a work today. Amen. And so why don't we seek the face of God for the next little while and uh, we'll start service. We'll start service at 1130 like we normally plan. Unless we end up into some deep level of prayer. That's all right. I'm not going to stop that. Amen. Praise God. We love y'all. Let's, let's spend some time in prayer.